Hello, welcome to the Real Point Exchange. This is Adam, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. So today, Adam, we're joined by uh, Richard Kreutz-Laundry of uh, the current Descent into Midnight Kickstarter. Hi, everybody. Hey, Richard. Thanks for joining us. Hey, glad to be here. Ah, so uh, things have been pretty exciting lately, I take it? Just a little. That, that first 18 hours was um, was something else, uh, you know. You read all the articles about, you know, how to do a Kickstarter and what to expect. And, you know, they they tell you that, you know, uh, cancel all your plans. Make sure that you've got some time to do this because it's going to consume your life and everything you think about for 30 days. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you say that, but that's that's only true for other people, not me. And uh, what, what, what is it? Pride goeth before the fall, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ripped to everyone else, but I'm different. Yeah. Yeah, that has been an adventure, but a good one. You know, we're we're already funded and uh we're gunning for those stretch goals at this point, you know. Yep. And congratulations. It appears that you were funded <laughs> in one day as well. So it was just Yeah. Yeah, that was uh that was surprise that was a good surprise to to have. <laughs> awesome. So Let's go ahead and, you know, set the scenario that we're all stepping in an elevator and you know how the elevator pitch goes. Mm-hmm. So how would you, how would you describe Descend into Midnight? All right. So uh, so Descend into Midnight is a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role-playing game where players take on the role of alien psionic sea creatures who are defending their home from an otherworldly corruption. So you know, you, you, you've got a lot of stuff going on there. It's it's actually kind of a hard game to explain. We've had people who've playtested the game five times and you ask them what it's about and they go, well, it's sort of like hopeful alien aquatic kind of horror, but not because it's hopeful. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that is just because there's so much... Um, customization that you can do uh with the 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 setting and and all the stuff that you do because you build so much of it at the table it's very different at for every you know group but even the same people playing it again it can be very different each time you play you know yeah that's very cool very cool so where does this idea originate (laughs) uh so there's a very specific moment that i can that i can pinpoint in March of 2017, where uh, I was, I had just been looking at Monster Hearts, um, which is another Powered by the Apocalypse game. Critical Role actually just did uh, a session of it, uh, but it's it's been around for a while. And basically, it's you get to play teenagers who are also like vampires and werewolves and all this kind of stuff. And so I saw that going around and I thought, oh, I will tag a couple of my friends in a tweet and make a terrible, terrible joke. And I said, hey, is there a Monster Hearts uh, mermaid playbook? Because then just think of it, bro Sidon. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, and uh, and then that got a, a whole conversation started, like I said, with uh, with with Taylor and with Rich Howard who uh, I met through a catacon and, and the RPG Academy. And from there, you know, Rich was like, wait, what is there? And, and got really interested in it because he had had this idea kicking around in his head for, you know, 20, 30 years of trying to make aquatic settings in role-playing games, more accessible, more widely used, 
because there's so much like cool, interesting stuff down there. And also telling emotional stories that, that interact using the mechanics with uh, the feelings and emotions of the characters and the players. So, you know, I grew up playing D and D two and 3.5 and Pathfinder and that whole thing. And sort of the traditional D 20 style of games, which are very good at, you know, doing simulation and mechanizing combat and things like that, but often don't have a mechanical interaction with the sort of inner journey of the characters. And with within the last, you know, five or 10 years, there've been a lot of games that have really delved deep into that and, and really targeted that as the experience that they, they want the player to have. And Rich saw that and was like, wait, we can combine our nonsense, right? We can take this underwater setting with advanced biotechnology and psionics and sort of journeying through the echo, which is this uh, sort of, if you think about like a D and D there's the, the astral plane, right. Or um, you know, it, it, you could look at it as another dimension or the thing that like the physical world is sort of like coalesced out of, right. It, it's, it's the other world. It's the world behind worlds and all that. He's like, okay, we can take that and we can combine that with this, this, you know, role-playing game, quote unquote, like technology of interacting with the inner journey of these characters. And we can create something that's really unique because, you know, you look at D and D and you go, okay, I don't know what it's like to be an orc or an elf or, you know, even like a mind flayer or something, right? Like, I don't know what that's like, but I generally get it, right? They're they're humanoid. They're they're maybe a different color than me. Maybe they're bigger. Maybe they're smaller. Maybe they've got a couple of different abilities or something. But they're still very rooted in like the human experience and way of interacting with the world. And so, with this, we straight up are like, well, uh, you know, what's the description of your character? And basically, you get to pick from a, a list of suggestions, and it will be things like hulking and huggable, and. And you hand that to somebody who's played D&D and they go, what does that mean? And then we turn around and we ask, well, what do you think it means? And we've had everything from like, you know, oh, I would like to play a psychic plankton um, in the same party with someone who's like, I would like to be a city sized Leviathan whale. And it works because the game is not about what you can do and whether you can hit something with a sword or how strong you are or any of that. It's about the inner journey of the characters and like, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're giant or if you're small or if you're the sort of like ghost of a, a dolphin's last burst of echolocation. Like, it doesn't matter. It, it, it's how does your character feel? How do they interact with the world? You know, how do they support the people around them? And it it's really, really strange um, if you're used to sort of a more traditional way of looking at things, but it really sort of frees you up to explore the, like I said, the inner journey of the character in a way that like I've played D and D campaigns that lasted three years, right? You go in, you, you have some adventures, you kill some stuff, you loot some stuff. It's really cool. You know, you, you have those moments where you're, you're building camaraderie with the other players around the table. Um, and you're, you're building a story and, I've walked away from those going, wow, that was a great experience. And there were a few moments that I remember from them, but I've walked away from so many more of the, the one shot games, um, of, of this where I'm like, okay, I remember 
the game at Gen Con 2018 where we decided that there were philosopher whales and there was a big giant crystal in the middle of the city and people spoke into it. And the reason that they, the city had congregated around it was because this crystal sang and what it's saying were the words that were spoken to it. And so we, you know, we're sitting around the table and we're throwing all these ideas back and forth. And, you know, we, we talk about, we go, Oh, well, well, actually there's a, there's a brine lake beneath it. So there are these underwater um, like lakes basically where there's a difference in the density of the materials in it. And so when you watch SpongeBob and there's a lake in SpongeBob, like that's actually kind of a real thing. Yeah. And you know, it was like, Oh, and so the bodies of, of the creatures that, that come to the crystal to, to say their last words so that they will be remembered forever, you know, sink down into the brine and are preserved there almost like a graveyard, you know? And like, and we, we came up with this whole thing about like how, you know, there were these crustaceans that, that would tattoo the, the whales that came here at the end of their life to, you know, to celebrate and all these things. And you're like, I couldn't tell you the details of almost any of the campaigns that I've played up, you know, past before a couple of years ago, you know, they were fun. I, I could go, Oh, well, I, I remember I prepped a big giant golem at one point for an encounter that I was running. And there were a few details, but, but they don't live in my memory the same way because there was not like that group collaboration and storytelling involved, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'd also say there's almost a transformative weirdness to it. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, it kind of reminds me a lot of like the works of Jeff Vandermeer and that you have this, biological ecological aspect of things and sorry i'm mm-hmm. i should mention right now i'm a, a huge biology nerd i have a degree <laughs> and all that stuff so i think about this stuff a lot yeah 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 and people don't really think about how the the natural world around us has its own culture that we don't see that we don't really understand mm-hmm. because we anthropomorphize everything and i think yes. <laughs> everything i've read about your game does a really good job of kind of putting people into a new mindset yeah, I mean, so we we're actually um releasing a a promo game that we recorded with uh, at Dungeon Commander, so DC or Orion, Cat Cool and Devin George who's our uh one of our illustrators on the project who did like the cover that Rich Howard ran. And uh one of the things we talked about was was you know, Orion was saying that like the game is weird and it makes you question all the little things as you go along so you, you'll be like oh you know we we start the the group out in their their sanctuary where they sort of hang out and it's this focusing place where they can sort of reach into the echo and and um sort of connect extra strongly psionically or whatever but then you go okay and then you go well we're going to go to this other place in the city and so immediately you go okay well we're going to walk out the door and we're going to uh wait no they're there is no door. Wait, what does the space look like? Is it a transparent jellyfish that, you know, will open itself up to let you in and out? Uh, is that a door? Is it a, is it a curtain of kelp that are uh, sort of like bioengineered to recognize you and, and people with certain traits to allow them in and out as like a security device? Like what do all of these things look like? You know, what does transportation look like? You know, when you're a giant crab, what does wealth look like? You know, what does status look like? All all these things. And so you're constantly having to reevaluate and look at the things that are very mundane to you. And you get an opportunity at every step to create something new together. 
and and that's really really powerful especially when you're coming from a background of here's the tavern here's what's in it there's these five people the one person you're supposed to talk to is the person with the cloak over their you know or the the hood up on their cloak sitting in the corner you know yeah yeah there there are fewer cultural signifiers so you have to create your own exactly and it's 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 really powerful and like the like i was saying before like that game technology if you will has has i think been there for a long time in the indie games community it's just that like they're getting more attention and there are more games that are sort of learning from each other and incorporating these things and like we we did not have that sort of as as things that we knew about until a couple of years ago with you know seeing masks and hearing actual plays of that you know you look at games like like dialect right where you're you're sort of like building a language together and you're, you're, you're doing all these things together at the table and everything then that you create, you're invested in because you built it yourself. Yeah. That's so neat. So you right from the very beginning, you're getting players to internalize mm-hmm. and just create this intrinsic connection with everything. Yeah, exactly. And, and the funny thing is like, you know, we, we, there's a lot of, people talking about how, oh, this game is, you know, very transformative and it's, you know, uh, it's very emotional and all these things. And it, it very much can be that, but it, it honestly depends on the table that you have. Um, like we just did, a uh, the recording that we did at Gen Con 2018 with tabletop squadron. So they're a, a star Wars actual play podcast. They're great. I sat down with them to run it through it and we were going to do, okay, well, we're going to make it star Wars. So instead of being the echo, it's the force. And we were all just super punchy. We'd been, you know, it's the last day of Gen Con. So this big, huge convention, we're all super tired and just, Mm -hmm. and just going for it. And it got really silly and fun and like, you you can go listen to it and it's just a blast, but there are elements there because you throw these things out there and you go, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a bony starfish that can spin around like a fidget spinner. And there's, you know, flavored bubbles from the thermal vents at the bottom of the city that people go and vape in you know and you're you're like okay that is super goofy right but you also get to the points where you go okay you know your your group is going out to investigate this thing and you know we discovered that when we were talking about the links between the characters that that you know you'd had an encounter that was really scary with some sort of predator and so we get to the point and I go okay I know that I want to introduce this predator as something that they see. And I go, okay, so tell me something about it. Give me one detail about this thing. And, and you get to like, you know, and and it went around the table and, and it started out with, Oh, well, you know, they're, they're scary because this or because of that, you know, they got a hive mind and all this. And, and those details, as silly as they are, when you start weaving them together, even if they're goofy, they build meaning and, and, um, and the, the rules of the game ask you, when you take quote unquote damage to go, well, how do you feel about it? Do you feel angry about it? Do you feel isolated from people? Do you feel despairing? And what that does is that no matter where you start from, if you follow the rules of the game, it will lead you into conversations about deeper things about the experience of the characters. And so even if you're doing silly things, you start to go, well, Oh, okay. I take damage. Cool. I'll mark off angry right but it it asks you the question or it brings up the question of the discussion of well why are you angry and 
And when you continue to ask questions like that, you find out more and more about the character. And it's very, it's very hard to have a shallow kind of funny, silly experience and not get to know a little bit more of the character. When you keep asking questions like that, like, why are you despairing? Or, you know, are you hopeful in this place or, or things like that, you know? Yeah. It's honestly um, very reminiscent of to kind of bounce off two other big names in the system, in the whole gaming community. Uh, Greg Stolze with, oh, God, I'm blanking on it. <laughs> Don't worry, I can fix it with the power of editing, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, a, a Dirty World, where it's less Ooh. about, it's less about, like, it, it's very much a noir style thing, but mm-hmm. all of the, uh, all of the the stats and tracks are all based on emotional and emotional and like thought spaces, which Mm -hmm. I think is fantastic. Like I I think we need to have more of that in this world. And uh, the other one that would be Robin D laws with Hill folk where he's trying to go explicitly for like prestige television. So Hmm. you're not worried about stats or anything like that. You're worried about how you interact with the other players and what that means for the scene. Yeah, like it it's really interesting where so much of so many games use D&D as their starting point. So like I listen to System Mastery, right? And they they go and they review all these old role-playing games and so many of them are just heartbreakers and D&D clones and all that mm-hmm. and there's such this this huge momentum of, you know, simulationism of, you know, am I strong? Am I smart? Am I fast? You know, and, and all these things. And it's, it's, again, it's describing mostly the exterior of what's going on with the characters. And I think there's, there's really, gosh, it's, it's, um, so I'll go back to something that, um, that Rich has talked about with Jeff Stormer over on, uh, the Whelm podcast where they talked about Superman, right. And why Superman is interesting. Mm -hmm. So Superman is, basically invulnerable right he's got all these powers he's got all these things and so stories that are about what superman does and can do are not really that interesting because it's like well he's superman right he can do these things what's interesting about it is like what are the consequences for the decisions that he makes and and you know with this power that he has what does he do with it and all those things that are talking about like the the more human aspects of him and and really like that's what if you know again like looking to um to masks which was a huge inspiration for us that's a game about teenagers and teenage superheroes and so it's all about like how they view themselves and so it's things like um you know dangerous or freak or mundane and like we we looked at uh headspace by mark richardson which was another big inspiration for us and sort of informed that uh that connection that the characters have the psionic connection um and all of the the things that happen and the skills that you use um, sort of tie into literally the emotions of the characters because, you know, it, the, the game says, hey, you know, you're all connected. You all can share each other's skills. So it's not really a question of can you do these things? It's more the consequences of that. And and just building on top of that um, has been so valuable for us and and like we we could not have made this game without these other games existing. Um, and and really exploring that space of you know telling the the very human experience of emotions and um relationships and all these things in a in an extremely alien setting you know yeah 
I got to ask you, man, how, how does a, t- a typical session of Descent in the Midnight work? Oh, boy. I've been hearing a lot about the community and all, but yeah. like, what would be a, a, a good game of this? Like, what's happening? Oh, gosh. So they're all, like I said, they're all very different. Like the, the Star Wars one that I was talking about was, uh, you know, we built this silly thing and, and um, it ended up being around the ruins of a, of a crashed Star Destroyer. And, um, you know, the, the one I was talking about the game, um, with the, the crystal, you know, the singing crystal that had the memories and stuff. That's actually a great example of, of one that really sort of delved deep into the emotional side of things. But I mean, the, the way the session works is we start out by everybody looks at their playbooks, they pick a playbook and each one of those has sort of an arc, right? A character arc. So you can look at something like the redeemed which is, you know, a, a character who was created for conflict and it may be physical violence. It might be, um, like a political operative or someone that, you know, like something like that, but someone who is, who is engaged in conflict and that's what they were built for. And they have rejected that now. And they're going, I don't want to do that anymore, but so like, like fish or friends, not food kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or even like if, like a more familiar example of this might be um, like Hulk, right? The Hulk is someone who like, he's got the capacity to do incredible violence, but he rejects that except when he needs it to do good. Right. Or you look at someone like, like Captain America, who is a super soldier, right? Has these abilities and, you know, he's trying to do the right thing with the, the abilities that he has. Right. Yeah. And, and so you've got that and, and you have these stories for all the different playbooks um, that, that they want to tell, right. And that they're designed to tell. And, and you start and you look at those and you, you kind of set the tone by what people do with that. And then you pick out some, some descriptions and you start with characters, but then we get into sort of the heart of, I think what makes the setting so interesting, which are these world building questions. And so we start out with what's a cool feature, you know, or district or neighborhood in the city. And, you know, if people have a little bit of trouble with that, sometimes it'll be like, what is, what would be on the travel poster if someone did that for your city? And we've had everything from, you know, a, like a Caribbean Island with a, you know, the a mangrove trees. So like a very shallow thing hanging out and like a, you know, circling a caldera to, you know, something super deep in the the trenches of the ocean or whatever. And that sort of sets the tone and you go through and you build all these questions and you, you create the setting together and you're talking about biotechnology and a sapient species in the city and all this. And, and you build out this, this really, really rich city. And, and then you start talking about how the characters are linked together. And some of those links will do things like give you hints about what are some things that, that the characters have faced together in the past? And they start giving you glimpses into what the corruption could be that's threatening this place that you just built together, that you're all excited about, that everybody's contributed to. And, you know, you, you end up with these things like, like, again, like that, that city with the singing crystal where the whales would come at the end of their life, the whole pod would come and they would sing their last song into it. And, and that's just like the, the world building part, right? And then before you start the adventure, um, at the beginning and end of each session, we actually do uh, sort of a a guided visualization, which is something that I had gone to a taiko drumming class um, 
I'm I'm quarter Japanese and it's it's something that I've never really been involved in that part of my heritage very much unless you count doing origami for 30 years but that was from my German grandmother which is a whole nother story <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it, it was this experience that I had of like oh we're we're all going to be around the table and we're going to to add a detail to um, just a thing that we're describing together and it brought everybody together so that when we were drumming we could all sort of be in the same headspace right and so with the game, what we did is we took that and we went, well, these are characters that are strongly psionically linked, right? And there's the concept of the echo, which is sort of this other dimension. And we decided that these characters are able to project their consciousness into this sanctuary that they have, right? So, you know, if, if the city is a is hanging out in the thermal vent, so it's very deep and dark and warm, right? And that's what defines the city. I would start by saying, you know, everybody closes their eyes for a minute, takes a couple of deep breaths. And I would start by saying the water is warm. There's a comforting darkness that surrounds this space, this, this semi physical space where your consciousnesses are projected. And I would, I would go, you know, uh, I would name the, the cultivator, let's say, who is someone that has a, a garden full of biotech devices. Right. And I would say, you know, in this space, in this sanctuary, the warmth of the water causes your garden to grow. What does your garden look like here? Right. And I would ask, you know, what do you share and experience here? And they would, they would have an opportunity to talk a little bit about what their character is experiencing and, and feeling and kind of what their headspace is. And then add a detail to this little vision of what this sanctuary looks like. You know, and so they might say, oh, well, there's a there's a rainbow kelp that grows here and uh, the little, you know, gas nodules on them um, are filled with light. And then you would move on and you'd go around the table and everybody adds a little detail that's sort of physical so you can get a sense for something that you can describe physically, but also maybe the things that they're sensing. And then, you know, we go through the adventure. But the the really, I think, important bit about it is that back, when you get to the end of the adventure, right? Maybe you've seen some weird stuff. Maybe the corruption has come and and you've absorbed some of it or, or something terrible has happened or something wondrous has happened, right? At the end of the session, we come back and we do that again. And we say, okay, we're here. We're, we're in the sanctuary. We're talking about the experience that these characters are having right now with, with their mental state and their emotions. The water is warm down here and there's the comforting darkness all around cultivator where before this you had this rainbow kelp with the little nodules the gas nodules that were full of light what are you sharing and experiencing now and depending on how the session went you know we, we've had games that were like a basically a saturday morning cartoon right like bubble guppies or something or, or just something really light where it was like oh you know well i made a friend today and so you know i'm feeling a little more bright and the water and my section is moving really quickly or whatever it is, right? But we've also had ones where it's like people have sacrificed themselves to to save a city or or even an entire world. And, you know, you, you get a chance to say, you know, as as that cultivator, let's say, it's like, well, you know, the 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 creature who welcomed me into the city a thousand years ago who has been around forever, who was the embodiment of, you know, the 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 song of the city sacrificed themselves to you know in a, in a scream to push the corruption away back into the far echo and you go 
so how does that make you feel? And what does that look like here? And they might say, you know, the, the light in those nodules is, is dim or gone. And, and the color from the kelp is, is bleached and, and dull. And, you know, you do that and you do that at the end and the beginning of each session to, to bookend it. And there is just, there is such a, a powerful impact that that can have to, to just talk about the experience of these characters that you don't always get in other games. And, and man, when, when you're talking about things like, you know, the, the, the potential death of a city or, or, you know, like growing new life from the, the last uh, specimen of, of some creature that you rescued from somewhere like it, it can really, really hit home and, and give you an opportunity to talk about things in a way that's removed enough from, from your everyday life to, to talk about them in kind of a, a safe way. But man, you can, you can really get, get heavy with it if you like and, and, and deal with some, some really, really lovely things. Or you can say, hey, we were some some fidget spinning starfish who who went out and we fought uh, these fish with googly eyes, and um, you know then we threw a party where uh, we fired off torpedoes from the star destroyer Hulk, and those are the fireworks, you know, like yeah, I could really imagine a very interesting like kind of almost Hollow Knight style game hmm. with like you're you're basically basically benthic creatures dealing with your community that's at a whale fall, so. Oh, whale falls are so cool. Right? So cool. Um if actually if you um do you follow a dungeon uh, I keep saying it wrong. Uh do you listen to Dugongs and Sea Dragons? If you don't, you should. They are a group of like marine biologists and science communicators who who do like ocean conservancy stuff. Oh, um shit. And they they did a D and D game at like a a marine science conservation uh, convention, and it was so like it was so cool that they were like, hey, we got to keep doing this. Um, and and the reason I mentioned that is because I've learned a ton by listening to their show. And I was actually looking at so, gosh, uh, one of the cast members. Um, uh, I don't remember her uh, her Twitter handle, um, but but Aaron. Uh, is an illustrator and like has a a cool uh drawing of like a, a whale fall that's kind of like in a fun cartoon style and it's got like the bones of the whale kind of sticking out and i'm like oh that is so cool and and we were we were actually just talking to her about doing an illustration or or two for the coloring book that we're putting together for the stretch goal for the kickstarter nice because we had you know we we had our, our, our artists lined up for it and then i was i was talking to the crew and was like you know, because we're actually going to be recording uh, next week, I think, for at the at the time of this recording, and and I was like, oh, that's yeah, yeah, because because they were they were saying, hey, look, you got to look at Aaron's art, and I'm like, oh, okay, and I did, and I was like, yup, <laughs> you know, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so but, yeah, but yeah, like I can just imagine with since this game is so emotionally oriented, mm-hmm. um, with sort of like the melancholy, melancholy aspect of like you know we're all surviving off of the this giant thing from so far above us. And it, yeah, it gives me a very can, much like a stolen King vibe. Yeah. You, you can do so much with it. And, and I think like there's one of the things that we developed um, later on in, in the game's development cycle was um, the idea of a community map. Um, so Taylor, Taylor LeBrush, he's 
at Leviathan Files on Twitter. He is so good at design and poetic language and really evoking uh, a mood with just a very few words. But but he came up with the idea of using this community map um, after playing some other games that had done that and was like, no, this this is great. We we need to use this. And so we, we started doing that where while you're doing that uh, that setting building, you're you're writing down elements of the city and you can just do little drawings and everything. But then we have these community tokens, sorry, these harmony tokens and corruption tokens where as your character advances, right, they basically have like two XP tracks if you want to think about it like that. And one of them is harmony, which is what it sounds like. That's the good one where you're growing together with, uh, with your team and the community. And so when you feel that you get a harmony token that you can spend and you put it on the map and you say, this is how the community has grown together or come together based on the things that we have done. And there's corruption tokens that do the same thing. So when you fill your corruption track, you unlock a corruption move, which are very fun. So those are the basically the one-time use. Um, if you've played Masks, there's the moment of truth, right? Where it's like a big deal. You get to do this very narratively interesting thing. Well, it's like that, but there's some consequences. Um, and so like one, for example, where there's a character who... Um, a character playbook where they they specialize in sort of going out into the echo right and so you can think of it like um astral projecting right they can put their consciousness out there and they can travel to other places well one of the corruption moves for that playbook says you are able to do that and whatever you were trying to do by by going out and sending your consciousness out there succeeds 100 percent. you're able to do incredible things however the corruption that has been seeping into you waits for that to happen and the moment that your consciousness leaves your body, it takes over your physical body and does something interesting. And, you know, you, again, there's there's a lot of, um, with these kinds of corruption moves, you, you definitely want to have those discussions at the table. Um, you always want to have the discussions about, like, table safety and making sure that everybody's cool with everything and talking that through as a table to make sure everybody's okay with where the story is going and all that. Um, but But you really get these moments where you can have really intense things happening um from that but but this is all kind of uh with the the harmony and the corruption tokens the thing that makes the game long term hopeful is when you place a harmony token somewhere on the map that has a corruption token you cancel out the corruption token right you say how did what we were doing here fight that corruption and as you add more harmony tokens you build it up Corruption tokens cannot do the same to harmony tokens. And so what you end up with is you're slowly building up the the hope and the togetherness in this community and the life and the corruption keeps coming back and trying to do things. And your characters personally are building up, you know, they're they're going through the corruption tracks and they're unlocking these corruption moves. And once you get to the fifth, I believe it is, um, corruption move, there are there there's a, a list of them that you have. And one of them is your character is taken out of the story to do something incredible, basically. And so you get to, on your terms, say what it is that they do to, to sort of wrap up their part of the narrative. And, and so what you end up with is in, in long-term play, you have these stories where this group of characters are coming together. They're building up the community. And then towards the end, they're they're having to make these really hard choices about what they have to do or or what their legacy is and and as they leave the picture right if that's how you want to go with the stories 
they've left the community in a better place than it was right where the the city that you've built has you know new life in it or resilience or a deeper connection to the echo or or whatever it is you know uh, that you've discussed as you've placed these harmony tokens and so even though you're dealing with these hard things that are getting harder and harder and harder um as the 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 scale of the consequences ramp up right and the the more you see the corruption trying to to come after you but you have this bolstered defense against it you know okay not gonna lie this sounds really cool <laughs> <sighs> yeah i mean it, it's it's one of those games that like we so we we started it literally like i said as a joke on twitter and you know the idea like i said it's also been kicking around rich's head for decades but it's been incredible to watch how these individual pieces um so you know you say okay well stats are emotions instead of uh physical capabilities that's that's a big step in the right direction but it's not everything you say okay well these characters um can share and experience literally everything that the other characters are um through this link that they have so we say okay great we're going to take that from headspace and really sort of explore what that can do uh in this setting we take the the bones of powered by the apocalypse and we say you know instead of 300 pages of tables and point by and flaws and and perks and skill points we say you know give us pick from a list or add your own of hulking and huggable or monstrous and majestic you know and and you look at the powers and you say okay well instead of you know 50 meters you do 3d6 damage or something we say reality tunneling and you go what in god's name is that and we go i don't know what is it you know and and we say okay that's whatever it needs to be in the narrative and we'll explore what that means and we'll narrow that down as we we you know tell the story and you just all of these little pieces you know and and the 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 guided meditation thing right like that in itself is is a piece of it and you put all these things together in a google document and you start playing the game with people and we you know we've we've been doing this for almost three years it's going to be three years i think about a week or two after the campaign ends um, from that tweet and (laughs) it's just so it's so interesting to be um to be watching the process of how it has evolved um from those things into something that that has generated these kinds of experiences right like it's um i'm I'm a theater guy i went to to college and I, i got my theater degree i did a math degree too but you know theater right so uh, when you know you when you're doing theater you you have a script right it's a piece of paper and you read it and you've got this idea in your head of what it could be you know and you say okay well we need lighting we need sound design we need set design we need costumes we need actors and and you take all of those things and all of a sudden at at some point it transitions from here is this vision that I have of this thing that I read on a page into something that has taken on a life of its own. Um, and, and that script that you write, you give it to people and, and they're going to have wildly different experiences, right? Like you, you go to two productions of Hamlet, they can be vastly, vastly, vastly different. And it's really, really interesting to see how we're just giving people these tools and we've assembled them in a way that we think will will generate these these really cool experiences for people and and then just to to hear the feedback like 
you know, we going into the Kickstarter, um, Rich Taylor and I are all very sort of positive, effusive people. We, we are not afraid to tell people that, you know, Hey, we love you and what you're doing and this is great. And you know, uh, if, if we read a book or something, we will, we will tag the author and be like, Hey, this book rocks. You should be proud of it. You know? And that sort of positivity generally you, you kind of get into a space where people appreciate that and they're nice to you. And the thing that was bothering my math brain as we went into the Kickstarter was, was going, okay, I know that we're all generally nice people, uh, online and that people are nice to us and, and people like us. And so all these things that people are saying about the game, that must be because they like us, you know? But eventually you have to kind of go, okay, well, this is the 10th person that has said, I've never played anything like this. And you kind of have to go, okay, you know, and and it's really weird being on the creator side of that and going, well, well, really all we did is we stole this from this game and we stole this from this game and we stole this from this game and we stole this from my Tycho drumming class and we put them together in a blender and, (laughs) you know, it it doesn't feel like magic, but it is, you know, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a ride, you know. That's uh, the synthesis of ideas for you. you. Like you never feel like you have your own new idea, but mm-hmm. that's because there's no such thing as a new idea. It's just how you interpret it yourself, and that's yeah. honestly kind of what's cool about this game because it's all about interpretation of other people. And mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and it, it's about community and coming together. And like yeah. one of the so there's a couple of things that I like to talk about when we're talking about the campaign and sort of the design process and like you know, like I said, all three of us are very like supportive people and we try to be um, as much as we can. Like it's very important to us that we call out the influences that we have and the people who've inspired us and, and sort of built all this so that we could do what we're doing. You know uh, we talk about um, like in the, the campaign, I think after this current stretch goal, which is um, for printable tokens and, and, files so that you can like 3d print or laser cut tokens at home if, if you have that um, available to you the next stretch goal is actually a bonus to our contributors because they've done amazing work right and like we we started out where we said okay we're going to pay everybody professionally and you know we're we're not going to do the thing where we say okay we're going to pay everybody five dollars an hour and then if the kickstarter does well then we'll we'll get you real money you know because because it was important to us and that's why the the starting goal was twenty five thousand, where some rpgs are much lower than that for starting, you know? Um, and I remember (laughs) we, uh, I felt a little bit bad about this at the time, but, um, we, our layout editor, we were paying, gosh, I think it was like $20 an hour was the rate that we'd agreed to. Um, and so I, I messaged them and I'm like, Hey, uh, VJ, I'm, I'm really sorry, but we can pay you 20 bucks an hour. And I let it sit there for a minute. And then I was like, because we're going to pay you 30 because we feel really bad about like, we, we just can't in good conscience, like pay you that little you know yeah because we'd gotten you know uh the rates from everybody else and and the work that they were doing and we we looked at it and we went you know what okay this is actually what we should be paying people um and you know like the the whole game the whole campaign the the whole thing that we want to do with this is we want to share like that that spirit of community and and looking out for other people and like you know um rich and taylor and i are all you know cis white dudes and we have a lot of privilege like you know all three of us are generally financially stable you know i was able to do things like go hey we need art for this for the playbooks for playtesting the game is still you know the the kickstarter is going to be in two years or something but i can pay for some art um, to get it in front of people and get people excited 
you know, we've been able to go to conventions, um, out of state and, you know, network with people and do all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, if I'm going to Gen Con and I hear that, Hey, these game designers, um, who are people that, you know, we want to hang out with are going to a random bar in a city I've never been to. And it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm not going to hesitate to go. Yeah, sure. I'll go over there. You know, um, I'm not worried about my safety, like any of those things. Um, you know, and, and if, if, you know, like one of us does something that, that, you know, the community doesn't like that, you know, we did something crappy, like chances are that we're going to get another chance where other people wouldn't, you know? Um, and like, we, we absolutely see that, right. We recognize that and we go, okay, like just by virtue of who we are and the position we're in, we have a voice that we can use to like, you know, um, to, to shout out other projects and other creators and like, um, with the run-up to the Kickstarter, we were doing quotes about, uh, you know, what people had said about the game because we were like, hey, we wanted to build some excitement and all that. But during the campaign right now, we're trying to do, like, um, at least, you know, like, one shout out a day where we're like, hey, here's a project that people should be looking at because it's awesome. Or here's a creator who is doing amazing work and you should be supporting them, you know? Yeah. Because it's, it's, it does everybody good to know about all these cool things that people are doing. And, you know, like for myself, I grew up playing, like I said, like traditional games. I grew up in, um, in a household where, you know, that was religious. And I always thought, you know, I'm a pretty good person, you know, and, and I didn't have to question that. I didn't have to think about that. I just knew that I was a good person. And once I started, you know, interacting with the larger community of people, I went, Oh, I, I, people are talking about these things and these bad experiences that, that they've had. And this is how that has affected them. And I go, Hmm, I I've, I've done that, you know, or I've, I've been the person on the other end of that who, who wasn't thinking and, you know, has, has done these things. And I go, I, I need to learn, right. I need to do better. And like, it can only help the, the entire gaming community for, for people to, to see the work and support the work of, of everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's something that I'm very, very like conscious about and passionate about because it's, it's something that, you know, in the last couple of years, I've really realized that I was so complacent about it. And, you know, uh, we, again, we're sitting on so much privilege and it's like, let's do something with this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, that, that's the game, right? You know, like that's the thing is we're, we're doing the thing together. We're coming together to make the world a better place. And in this case, it just happens to be weird fish creatures and a sea world. And you know, there's a weird echo psionic thing in biotech around, but really the heart of the game is, is coming together with other people and, and sharing your feelings and being vulnerable and learning from each other and, and, and talking about that experience. Right. Yeah. I honestly think it's a really good segue <laughs> to start talking about your stretch goes because one of the things that oh, I yeah. noticed as we were going through this, because I, I, I was scoping <laughs> this out like maybe a day or two before I reached out mm-hmm. and contacted you. As I was going through it, and I mentioned beforehand off mic that I was a fan of uh, Jeff Barber's uh, mm-hmm. Planet, and then I was like, well, okay, I can get the PDF. I can get the book. Oh, here's an $80 tier. Oh, I mm-hmm. can get someone else a copy of the book. Yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, and I mean, coming from a... Um, educator standpoint where I, I teach mm-hmm. high school and our school which i'm not directly involved in this particular particular club here other mm-hmm. than just advising a little bit but they just recently created a uh, dungeons and dragons club for like, oh, awesome. word. Mm-hmm. and yep. um, 
like and I just like like that idea of you could share that out to somebody's group or something. Yeah, and and here's the thing. So um so my brother's a teacher. Um he's actually got a middle school gaming group at his his school and and you know he's he's working with the kids like he he teaches an English class and so they've been doing things like incorporating building a board game about the caves and i think it was like tom sawyer or something as part of the curriculum um and is running a dungeons and dragons club and like for the kids that you know can't get into a game because there's just so many of them like you know or who aren't really into the role-playing stuff like they're doing you know they're painting terrain or just getting involved in other ways um and uh like you know my wife is a librarian you know uh rich like uh his wife taught uh for for like a decade like there's there's a lot of us that are that are in that sort of like education space um on the team itself and and we care a lot about that and like um and and again shouting out someone who who we saw doing something really cool when brebo sheldon did the kickstarter for their game turn there was a community tier uh very similar to our our $80 $80 tier, which is where we got the idea from, um, that we were like, Hey, we, we want to get this out there. Right. Um, and, and giving people the opportunity to say, I want to give to the community. It's, it's again, it's right on theme with the game, but you know, that, that's something that was important to us. Cause we know that there are, that there are kids out there who would, would frankly benefit from this game. Right. Like I, again, I came up playing traditional D20 D&D stuff and that was great. It was fun, it was imaginative. I got to tell these stories, but what it didn't do is it it did not as part of the system mechanize discussions about like how I was feeling or or looking into the um the experiences and the inner journeys of other people, which is really important as a skill, you know, as a life skill. Um and and not even talking about like the the emotional educational aspects of the game, right? Um when when I started this project, I did not know a ton about the ocean. My grandmother took me to SeaWorld like every other year. We we did back and forth passes with uh, the the zoo here in San Diego and SeaWorld. We're we're very spoiled here, but that was sort of the the involvement and the stuff I knew about marine science. And I was like, oh well, that was really cool as a kid. Okay, whatever. But then we would sit down to play this game, and inevitably, inevitably, you'd sit down. And there would be a couple of people there who knew some cool stuff about the ocean. And there would be one person who's like, I don't know anything, whatever. Like, I, I don't know anything about the ocean. It's, it's horrifying. It's terrifying. I'm just here because my friend dragged me, right? Uh, the Lovecraft of the group. Yeah, yeah. And you go, you go, okay. And, and so, you know, we'd, we'd start playing. We'd start building a setting. And they would be like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't really know anything about the ocean. But did you know that hermit crabs form like little conga lines, basically, to switch shells? And you're like what wait what and and so you know they'd be like oh well no i i saw this thing this one time and you're like no that's fascinating you know and then we're all looking it up on our phones and we're watching this and 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 we would learn something and like honestly the i I think it must have been the first dozen games that i ran i always learned something about the ocean or marine science or something like that and so that's like kind of one of our sneaky goals is to get people excited about it and to do some education about how like weird and cool our oceans actually are, you know, and getting, getting a game that does that into the hands of kids who like might love that is super cool. You know, like I'm, yeah, like I I personally am not in it for the money for this game. You know, we're, we're doing an indie RPG. It'll be great to get a little bit of income, I, I guess, you know, but like, that's, again, it's not why we're doing it. 
I I want a fancy book with my name on it, which I think every gamer does, right? Like um, <laughs> hashtag relatable. Yeah. But but beyond that, like you know, I I I never dreamed growing up of writing a role playing game, and I think a lot of that is because what I imagined was you know a heartbreaker about you know D and D fantasy, except um you know shovels do d4 damage instead of d6 or something you know like that's what i had in my head of what a role-playing game could be because those are the things that i had in front of me um and over the last couple of years it was like um i know rich has talked about it before but um hannah schaefer uh, had done this game called 14 days and the pitch of the game is you play as a person with a chronic illness and you are just trying to get through two weeks of your life and you roll to see what happens and, and you roll for like your, your pain level and how debilitating it is and how well the medication that you have works. Um, and it, and it takes you through this process of just trying to live your life. And it's such a powerful tool for building empathy and, and really shining a light on an experience that, it's not sexy, right? It's not, you know, slaying dragons or blowing up big mechs or something, but it's so powerful. Yeah. I, I seeing all those games come into existence and finding out about them and realizing just the potential that we had to do something really fulfilling and, and, and having a way to have an excuse to sit down at the table with a couple of strangers or some good friends or, or some people that I knew from the internet and I knew were awesome people and explore something really deep and, um, and meaningful while creating silly junk, like, you know, uh, Google eye fish with fungus that are psychic, you know, like it, it, it really um, resonated because it was like, this is something that I do not get to do. And it is a, an excuse to have an experience and, and tap into those emotions that like, frankly, as a dude in today's like society, it's not always easy to, to have those conversations or to, to wear those things on your sleeve and, and, you know, really reach in and, and explore, some of those more emotional topics and, and things and, and experience those things. Um, yeah. And like, this is a way to do that where, you know, nobody's going to look at you and be like, Oh, you're, you know, you're weird. It's like, okay, well, why is this fish person upset about this thing? Well, it's because this, you know, otherworldly force came through a portal in a crack in the bottom of the sea and is, you know, threatening to eat, the larvae of your children it's like that's upsetting and you can you can talk about that and it and it's okay to do that you know and it's okay to have like a visceral reaction to that yeah <laughs> well this is honestly it's pretty cool and i, I went through the uh, quick start guide that uh, mm-hmm. listeners can find on the uh, kickstarter page here and i think at some point in time rich i'm going to be creating <laughs> a um colony of little yes. creatures that live inside mm-hmm. of like i'm kind of like like crab thing that's just made up oh my like, gosh yeah and i may be a traveler <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the thing you can do whatever you want you know this is this is really neat i'm excited to be able to share this for you so 
it looks like to get into the uh, meat and potatoes, if people are interested in this, they can get a uh, digital copy for 20 bucks. You start getting into the physical around 40 so uh so the hardcover book um so they're six by nine books which is pretty standard for an indie game they're they're hardcover uh they're full color uh on on the cover image and then um on the inside we're gonna have uh some illustrations done by the the person who did the the cover art on it um of like some seascapes and cities um and then for a lot of the character art and things it's going to be um done in a a naturalist style so if you've seen like those old darwin sketches of like the sort of weird you know like what is this weird bird that looks like this or what is this weird turtle that i've never seen you know like that kind of art um because we thought it really kind of resonated with the themes of exploring strange worlds and everything and it's sort of like it just your brain taps into that and sees that and goes oh yes this is about exploring strange things that i haven't seen before you know and uh and then that's at the 40 dollar tier um which also gets you the pdf right every tier will get you everything below it um and then once you get up to the 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 $80 tier that's basically one copy of the book for yourself and then a donated copy um and you can you can like nominate like a a place or an organization that you'd like to send it to um or if you've got a friend who can't afford it like we're we're more than happy to send it to to an individual um and then once you get up to 110 that's where um if you can afford it that's basically the best value cuz you're getting the PDF Right. Uh, we've unlocked the uh, coloring book already. So that's that's in there from the stretch goal. Um, you're going to get your everyday copy, right? Your standard copy. Um, you're going to get the donated copy, but you're also going to get the limited edition copy, which is like, um, <laughs> it's funny. When we were talking to the printing agent, we were like, hey, so this is kind of what our, our book is going to be about. And so she sent us some pictures of some sample books and some sample materials. And there was this blue, like, kind of leather looking material with uh, kind of these little, like, black shadowy things in it um, with this silver foil. And we looked at that and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's it. That, that, we want that. Um, and, uh, and so that's what you'll see if you go to the Kickstarter campaign for the limited edition, which we're only going to be doing, um, during the print run that is funded by the Kickstarter. So, uh, once we order the books in like, uh, you know, September or so that will be done. We will never have those again. And we're looking at printed demand, uh, you know, like drive through or something. Um, once we've done the first print run and everybody's gotten the, the first copies of the book. But this is going to be the only time when you can get those uh, limited edition copies. Uh, and then once you once you go past that, there are some other tiers that um, will let you submit um, requirements, basically for uh, some character art. So uh, the artist who's done all the playbook art and a lot of the interior art um, is going to be doing those naturalist style sketches, and so you'll get the opportunity to say, "Hey." Um, I was playing the quick start guide with my friends and the character I came up with was a school of piranhas that live inside of a jellyfish bubble in the shape of an orca. And we would go, okay, cool. And we would do a drawing inspired by that. Right. Um, and uh and then there's you know uh, a tier where one of the designers since there are three of us on the design team uh one of us will run the game for you um and you get a seat in one of those games that we do um and uh you know there's a couple of the tiers that'll do that one of them will let you do uh a um 
a similar art submission uh, request, but all for their, a cityscape. So that would be one of the full color illustrations by the cover artist, Devin George. Um, and then if you, if you really, really just cannot get enough of this and you happen to live anywhere in the United States and you've got 5,000 bucks lying around, uh, you can, you can back at that tier and one of us will fly out and run the game for you and your friends. And we'll have, you know, limited edition copies for, for you and your group and whatever, other stuff we can dig up because at that point you're our best friend um (laughs) you know but but yeah and that's that's the the actual like tiers and everything and then for the the stretch goals uh, we've already unlocked the first one um so the first stretch goal was the one that i really 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 wanted to see happen um not only because I love uh, the idea of what it is, um, but because I knew that Rich's kids would love it. Um, so the the first stretch goal included a coloring book. And so we've got all these weird sea creatures, right? And so we figured, well, if we're already doing art for those, let's turn it into a printed home coloring book so that you can print it out and you can color it with your kids. Or you could print it out and when you sit down to your gaming group and everybody's like, well, am I an orc or am I a dwarf? You can hand them a couple of these and they go, Oh, um, and, uh, and so there's that, um, the stretch goal that we're coming up on, we're 90% of the way there to the second, uh, stretch goal at the time of recording, um, is going to be, uh, like I was talking about before a printable harmony and corruption token. So what we'll do is we'll have like a PDF or something where you can, um, print them out and cut them out and just have little tokens. You can do it on regular paper or cardstock or whatever, but we have friends who are, um, who do 3d printing stuff and later laser cutting and so we talked to them and we're like hey so uh so we're not going to produce these things because shipping them would be a nightmare um but can we have y'all design some some files and then we can distribute those and they were like yeah sure so uh we'll we'll have the ability so if you have a laser cutter or a 3d printer at home or at a local library or a makerspace near you you'll be able to, to to go and make those things but the the big thing with the stretch goals is the stream punks. Um, so I don't know if you know Eric Campbell or uh, the the crew that have done Callisto Six, um, Shield of Tomorrow. They're currently doing Clear Skies, which is a um, uh, a show on Twitch that's um, uh, Star Trek Adventures. And um, the the first episode that I went in to watch um, of that series. Um, you know, I tune in, I'm like Star Trek. Cool. I love Star Trek. Um, and they start talking about, you know, things that are going on and then they're like, Oh, and then we're going down to the deck. You know, I think it was like 13 or 14 or something, uh, down to cetacean ops. And I said, what (laughs) cetacean ops? Is that what I think it is? And they show up and they, they go down there and it's a big giant, like water tank, you know, this whole deck of these like whale scientists, you know, or orca or porpoise, you know, they're cetaceans, right? So they're, they're marine mammals and they're, they're super intelligent scientists working on like star maps for fun. And I was like, oh yeah, this, they, they get it, right? They get it. They understand what we were going for and this is going to be amazing. So um, with the first goal, we, uh, we unlocked an episode that they're going to stream uh, at their studio that they work with in LA called the uh, Q times. And that's the, the Twitch channel they're on. And we are just thrilled, right? Um, because we know they're going to do such a great job with it. Um, Eric, who is the GM of their, their current show is super interested in aquatic stuff and actually got to play the game um, at Gen Con last year. And that was the thing where, there, where it was like, 
no, 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 we need to do this. And we're like, yes, please. Um, <laughs> and, and so for each stretch goal that we unlock, we're going to do another episode. If we manage to unlock 12 stretch goals, then we'll get an entire season of the game and I will die a happy man. Yeah. And, uh, but, but for each, each stretch goal, we basically got, we unlock an episode and then we do one other thing. Uh, the third stretch goal, uh, which hopefully we'll be, we'll be targeting in the next couple of days after we hit the second one is a bonus for all of our contributors. Like I was saying, like we, we want to make sure that people are getting paid fairly and that they're getting a piece of it when things go well. Right. So, um, the money that we would have spent on some other stretch goal, uh, we're allocating to divvy up between those people. And then once we hit the fourth one, um, I'm really excited about this. Uh, so Ali Grower, who is uh, a performer on the Warda podcast, um, which is like this really cool, like um, like fairies and fae and steampunk and political drama all mixed together. It's it's a fantastic show. Um, so uh, she's a, a writer as well. Um, she's got a novel out that I literally have sitting by in my bed that is waiting for the moment when I am not swamped in Kickstarter stuff so I can read it. <laughs> like uh, it's called the Isle of sound and wonder, I believe. Um, and like you can get it everywhere. Um, but, but it's, I'm super excited about that because we're going to start getting fiction from authors who know what the heck they're doing um, uh, that are set in the kinds of worlds that you can build with this game. And, uh, and like you were saying, like uh, Jeff Barber is on there as well, who did a uh, blue planet, which is a game that directly inspired a lot of the stuff going on uh, with this setting. It's one of Rich's favorite games. And, uh, and like, um, when we're talking about getting into the heads of sea creatures and creatures that are not like your own, Rich actually likes to talk about uh, one of the supplements for that, where it was basically like the supplement for Blue Planet about the cetaceans and how, like, what does orca culture look like on an alien planet where they've been brought from Earth and then they've been hanging out there for a while and they can talk to people? Like, how does how does, what is orca humor like? Right. Like, and, and all these really, really interesting things of how like the physiology sort of, um, and, and the way that they've evolved, uh, sort of affects their culture. And like, that is exactly our jam with this game. Right. Except it's so open that it's like, okay. So I had one game where it was like, uh, I think two of the characters ended up being living oceans and you're like, so, so if you are a living conscious ocean, what does that look like in terms of like how you interact with all of the other sapient beings who live inside of you? Right. Like, and, and, and all these, hmm. these amazing things. Um, uh, but, but we've also, uh, we, we've got a couple other authors that are lined up. Um, so Brandon O'Brien, who is just fantastic. Um, we said Jeff and Ali, and, uh, we are reaching out to one other person who, uh, we can't announce yet. Um, and then, uh, a friend of Rich's actually. Um, so Matt Palomari, um, who is like, uh, who's written a bunch of stuff and, um, is like a student of, of shamanism. Um, which, you know, a, a lot of people, um, it, when you say shamanism, there's, there's different views of that. Right. Um, and, and unfortunately you look at something like world of Warcraft and you just smack your forehead, right? Like yikes. Mm -hmm. 
but when you really look at um, the spirituality of it and and approach it, you know, academically and and talk to practitioners, um, like there's a lot in this game that is sort of touching on the edges of that, right? Like the idea of um, of there being a community and sort of like seeing the bigger picture and helping the community um, from from outside of it and looking to places beyond yourself and and finding guidance and wisdom there and and using that to um to improve the lives of like the people around you and um there's it's really interesting and i'm I'm really excited if we get to that level because it's like i think there will be a very like a a very nuanced perspective right on on the game that that is from someone who who understands um i think might understand the themes of the game better than we do which is a weird thing to say you know so yeah like it's it's gonna be great and and after like i said after the third um stretch goal we're going back and forth between paying our uh, contributors a bonus and then doing uh short fiction and i'm just i'm thrilled because it's like it it's a win-win for everybody right and we're, we're we're setting out to do the thing even with the campaign that the game is talking about of like looking out for people you know yeah well, this is definitely unique, man. And I totally <laughs> looking forward to seeing everything uh, come to fruition for you. Oh yeah. I, it's already been like more than I could have imagined. Like, you know, th- this thing, like I said, that started as a Twitter joke and a, and a, a Google doc whipped together in a two weeks of late night frenzy, um, becoming a real thing and, and getting to meet all the people that we have for, for this project i mean like if if you get a chance if, if you're running a kickstarter you know look up tracy barnett if you need layout go find um vj brown if, if you need art direction please 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 go find um Palomi sp like it these are fantastic people if you need art you know go go talk to taylor go talk to to, to Devin. like you know everybody involved in this project is is so talented and good at what they do and just excellent human beings otherwise we wouldn't be working with them right yeah and and they're all people who i think share that vision of we want this to you know we we want the projects that we work on to do good in the world and and to you know hopefully provide some some empathy and 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 a way to you know connect people together cuz cuz really Role-playing games are kind of about that, right? It's about coming together and having a cool experience together. And, you know, if you're if you're not thinking about what kinds of effects that's having, right? Uh, or or the the media that you're consuming and that you're creating, like if you're if you're not consciously trying to do something with it, you're gonna default to whatever your default is. And and honestly, for someone like me, uh, with, you know, the way that I grew up and, and the media I've consumed and just sort of the society I've been in, like it, a yeah. lot of that stuff isn't great left unexamined. And, and these are people who are conscious creators and just awesome human beings. And please, please, please give them money to help them or help, help you make the things you want, you know, <laughs> like, please. <laughs> and if anyone's interested in looking at, looking up these people, you can mm-hmm. find their information on the Kickstarter. Yep. You can find it on the Kickstarter page. Yep. Awesome. Well, Chris, you have any questions? Um, no, I've I've basically just been kind of listening in on this at this point. <laughs> just kind of I'm sorry, uh, I... letting it w- roll over me. It's fascinating. Oh yes, I gotta say, like I I never get tired of talking about the game and the process because it 
it's been such a a a a journey for me like of of growth and of discovery because you know we started writing this game probably less than a year after I'd sort of gotten back into the 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 role playing game community um and started listening to podcasts of actual plays and everything cuz I hadn't played a a game in a while um cuz life happened um and and I feel like as I have grown um, in, in my, in myself, you know, the game has grown and, and those things for me are very much tied together. And, you know, people talk about like, you know, or, you know, people getting woke or whatever. And it's like, uh, you know, putting that language aside, like there is very real work that I think, you know, everybody has and especially especially people who are who are you know the benefit of of so much privilege um in their lives to to really examine that and and consciously seek to better themselves and 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 you know do what they can for the community around them and like putting this game together and seeing the kinds of response that it's gotten and and getting the opportunity to go hey this is a thing we can we can hire people to, to do cool stuff. And like, you know, uh, we can shout out other projects by creators who, you know, like we want to support, like that's been just so huge and and impactful. And, and so I, I will never get tired of talking about that. <laughs> well, your passion for this is contagious. So I'm looking forward to <laughs> oh, for sure. holding my own copy of this. Well, we look forward to it. Well, Rich, definitely appreciate you joining us uh, today. Would you uh, care to tell the nice folks where they can find you and uh, your uh, absolutely <laughs> your Kickstarter? So we, uh, so you can find me personally at uh, at R Kreutz Landry on Twitter. But but right now we're we're really looking at that uh, that sent to midnight thing. So if you want to check out the Kickstarter, you can just go to uh, dimrpg.io slash ks, and that'll get you uh, straight to the Kickstarter page. Um, our site is descentintomidnight.com. Easy to remember. Sometimes tough to spell if you forget the uh, the s in there. Um, and our Twitter is at DIMRPG. That's really kind of the best place to, to keep up with uh, what we're doing. Uh, we're on Facebook, too. You can look up the Sentinel Midnight there. But, uh, but yeah, the Kickstarter is going through March 15th. So you got some time. And then after that, we're using BackerKit. So if you miss out, you'll still be able to, to hop on and, and get all the cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. We'd also like to thank you all. You could have check us out at uh, com. We also have a Twitter page, which is at RPXchange. And uh, we are at Facebook.com slash The Real Point Exchange. And uh, we also have a Patreon. So if you enjoy what you hear, we would certainly appreciate, you know, you can toss a coin to your podcasters. So <laughs> uh, you know, that meme will so never old. die. <laughs> no, it shall not. So what what are some other Patreon topics that we've talked talked about Adam recently? I don't know, but we're going to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog like oh, tomorrow. No. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I took my kids to see it and it was it was good, man. Like I I got nothing but good things to say about the, like if it can keep a 4-year-old sitting there, like it's a good one. That's that's the bar. You're you're saving you're uh really like just pulling off our Patreon content here, Adam. Hey, you know what? Like just a little hit, man. Like, you know, get them, get them on it. And then, you know, they come over and then they can hear us talk about, you know, Sonic. But anyway, I am digressing. But 
Rich, thank you again for joining us. And Absolutely. I, and until next time, we'll see you all later. Good night. Say bye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris.